Hi, you're listening to Invest in You with Frederick Sandval and Shirley and Ivan, a platform to enrich entrepreneurs globally with the power of positivity and sharing. Hi, and welcome to episode 77 of Invest in You. So welcome, Rob, to the show. Hello. Good to see you again, because you were on our eighth episode of Invest in You, and that was like two and a half years ago. So remind the audience who you are. Uh, I'm Rob Moore. <laughs> so um, I guess I'm known as the disruptive entrepreneur. I write books, do podcasts, uh, run a training business. I invest in properties. I just generally love business, to be honest, and happy to be on your show talking about business again and investing in yourself and anything else that means you, that you get ahead and make more money and make a bit of a difference because that's what I love to do. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. Perfect. So you meet lots of people, you talk to people, you help and you listen a lot. Uh, that means that you can tap into other people's challenges, opportunities. So you might even spot some trends. What kind of interesting trends do you see at the moment for entrepreneurs in particular? So um, I spend a lot of my time on social media. So I think for the young generation TikTok uh, seems to be a platform that people are getting a lot of reach on that's interesting I think that the education space so whatever you have knowledge in expertise in experience in or you just love to do I think that there's way more scope for selling products and services and mentorships and masterminds and educational programs on masses of social media channels whether it's using like a webinar hosting platform or all the sites out there like Udemy, etc. Um, Teachable's another one. I think that um, a moving into a, a paid content model, much like the Netflix model, is something that is definitely moving in the right direction. 20, 30 years ago, you couldn't, couldn't talk to anyone with having, without having to pay them as a consultant. But if you think three to five years ago, everyone was just giving everything away for free and content was just this commodity which seemed um, that had no value. The Patreon platform and the Facebook supporter program, essentially, they wouldn't say this, but you could say a, a Netflix premium content model. I think that that's good news for content creators where fan funding and crowdfunding can kind of come together. Then traditional stuff. Property always wins. I know you love property, um, chap. So property still winning, always wins. Yeah, I mean, obviously, things like AI, things like crypto you know, things like VR, voice recognition for things like search. They're, they're things that I think for a few years people have been calling our trends. Now, I prefer a trend to a fad. A fad is something that comes and goes. A trend is something that comes and grows. And I think there's a big difference between the two. Yeah, that's good. So in this episode, we would love to focus a lot on younger entrepreneurs. Have you ever mentored any younger entrepreneurs? Yeah, I have. Uh, I like mentoring young guns with passion, motivation, energy, hunger, drive. No kids, no mortgages, no big bills to get in the way. Can borrow their mum and dad's money, internet connection, eBay account, whatever else. Often us older generation, um, when I say old, I'm 40. Uh, you know, we remember the traits of ourselves in young entrepreneurs. So we like to help when we see those traits. So I'd always say to young entrepreneurs, use your youth and your vitality and your energy as your strength. Because some people worry that they've not that experienced yet. But when you're experienced, 
you'll also maybe be a little bit, little bit more sceptical, a little bit more streetwise. But the great thing about youth is the energy, the naivety, the, the ability to take risks and not have so much to lose. Yeah, I completely agree, especially with uh, the limitations we set up for ourselves when we have a family and stuff to think about, which others might not have. <laughs> it's really it's nice right Sean so a question to you Sean in terms of uh, being young and entrepreneur how is that perceived by people around you do they appreciate it or curious well most when I'm when we're talking about my friends they rarely notice it because I have a lot of time to still be a teenager outside yeah. of business but I don't think that's um, so many of my friends in my friend circle notice it yeah all right interesting Okay. Uh, have you got any young entrepreneurs in your direct vicinity uh, that you bump into now and then in Peterborough? Um, a few, I would say. The thing is, we tend to hang around with people like us. So I wouldn't say that there's a really thriving hub of young entrepreneurs in Peterborough that I know of. Maybe London, which is only 45 minutes away, would be a, a more thriving hub. Um, and I tend to hang around with people um, my age or older, you know, I get mentored by maybe billionaires or, you know, people a, a lot more successful than me. And to be of that ilk, you've usually got to be in business a long time. But as far as I'm concerned, I'll learn from anyone and I don't care what their age is. Um, I know obviously that the theme of this podcast is usually for young entrepreneurs. I get that. But I just want to learn from anyone I can learn from and I want to give some of my experience to anyone who wants it. Yeah. Awesome. So we also love to help younger people to understand what entrepreneurship is as well as how to make money as a teenager. That is why we are currently writing a book called Just That, How to Make Money as a Teenager. That is what the book title is going to be called, and we just finished a successful Kickstarter campaign, which is uh, linked to our book. So did you do anything entrepreneurial when you were a teenager? I was taught by my dad to work from a very young age, and when I was probably six or seven, I used to restock all the shelves in his pubs, and he used to pay me a pound a week. It could buy me a picture of a Ferrari or a picture of a Lamborghini or uh, that would that would do. And then I ended up owning them. So that was quite nice. Yeah. And then in my early teens, I'd work in his pub or his restaurant or behind the bar or whatever. So, yeah, I've always kind of um, been raised to have that work ethic. Um, I always worked for my dad's businesses. But when I was probably, what, 13 I uh, hustled a deal with my mum and dad to do all the ironing in the house. They'd pay me 10p for a small item and 20p for a bigger one. By the way, I'm talking prices that were like 25 years ago. So it's and also it's not really about how much, it's about what you do. Now, if I was a teenager, uh, I'd be having doing e-commerce. I'd be selling merch and stuff online on all of these e-commerce platforms. I'd be building a personal brand. I'd be leveraging all of these lower cost and free social media platforms like TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and getting big followings on there and working out brand endorsements. There's that kid Ryan who has Ryan's Toys Reviews, that YouTube channel where he just basically you know unboxes and talks through instructions of toys. That channel did 22 million quid. There's these kids in their early 20s, KSI and Logan Paul, have got massive social media followings, having a boxing match. I guess they make 50, 100 million from that. So there's so many ways to make money uh, as a young entrepreneur. And I wouldn't say I was an entrepreneur in my teenage years. I would say I was raised by an entrepreneur and I was finding, well, no, actually, going to your parents and saying, hey, look, I'll iron all the clothes you've got 
and I'll just do it for, you know, let's cut a deal on how much. I suppose that's quite entrepreneurial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's hustle, hustling a bit and finding a way. That's great. So do you think that school prepares you to make money? I think it depends on the school. Uh, it would be a bit arrogant of me to assume that all schools are the same. I think it depends on the subjects you take. Like if you take business and economics at school, well, probably a bit more than if you took geography and history. Is school specifically geared for entrepreneurship, enterprise, innovation, and, you know, making a money, making money, making a lot of money, becoming wealthy? I don't think it's geared to that, no. I think it's geared to creating professions and for you to have jobs. And that's absolutely fine. Although there are kind of universities and some schools now that are focusing on entrepreneurship and running entrepreneurship as, um, as subjects you can take. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, what I would say is if you want to be a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, a solicitor, a, a, an accountant, etc., then the school system's probably the good way to go and then to university, etc. If you want to set up your own business and you want to create a unicorn and you want to take over the world and, you know, you want to build a, bit, a big empire, you want to be innovative, you want to find market needs and create products and services that meet those market needs. Maybe school and university is not geared up for that. And maybe you've got to self-educate books, podcasts, getting mentors, that kind of thing. Right. So talk, talk about self-education and, and helping our kids a bit. Uh, I saw a recent post about uh, Bobby and uh, an eighth uh, hole in one. Uh, he's eight now, right? Yeah. Eight, eight, eight by eight years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does he pay any interest in terms of what you do for a living? Is he interested at all? He's become interested maybe in the last two years. Uh, and Ariane, who's five, just become interested. What do you do, Daddy? What else do you do, Daddy? What else do you do, Daddy? And yeah, I, I think that they are quite, quite fascinated by it. I mean, for years I've been telling them what to do and they don't listen to me, of course. But yeah, I, I'm, I want to encourage them to be enterprising, to create value. I was interviewing a, a billionaire recently and he said, uh, uh, when you get to do a job, Always do more than you're paid for for that job. If you get paid to do the garden, do the hedges, clean the shed, put all the stuff back, clean the lawnmower and the stuff that you do. Because if you always do more than you're paid for, you'll always get more than you're paid for. So I want to teach my, you know, look, my, my children are going to go down the road that they want to go down. And yeah, I'd like to have some influence on that, but it's their life and their decision. I'd love them to be enterprising. I'd love them to be entrepreneurial. But I'm going to support whatever they want to do. But I want to give them the best opportunities. Now, whether you're employed or an entrepreneur, doing more than you're paid for, you can do that. If you do more than you're paid for, you'll end up getting paid more. Whereas a lot of people are looking for what they can get paid and then doing minimum as possible to get that pay, which is obviously not an enterprising or an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, no, exactly. It's absolutely also the, the worst way to be an employee as well, because you will always be on the back foot and uh, people will not appreciate you for the things that they don't know that you can do. Yep. So you've shared your values numerous times with myself, and I love where you go with your aspiration, like to help many people become more financially independent. And that's very much aligned with what we do as well. So linked to that, with the platform that I'm working with Charlie at the moment, how to make money as a teenager. We just had that on Kickstarter and we would have loved to time this interview with you, uh, but we didn't. That's all right. So that is already closed. Uh, you have also got your uh, charities. You work with uh, sponsoring lots of great courses. Uh, tell us more about, have you had any progress with the, the money of raising to the book Money? 
Okay, so yeah, I have a foundation which is um, to help as many people get better financial education, to start and scale their business. I'm going to probably target uh, younger entrepreneurs uh, and entrepreneurs maybe who didn't quite have the start in life that many of us were lucky to have in the developed world. So that's the focus of my uh, foundation. Uh, we're in our second year. I started it. I wanted to start it before I was 40 because a lot of people start their foundations in their 60s or 70s. And I wanted to be ahead of the game, not waiting till I'm a billionaire and then wondering what to do with it. Um, but that being said, where I might go with this foundation is quite open. So donating books to libraries, prisons, schools, etc. Definitely in my thought process, not just my own, by the way, but other good ones subsidizing my um, keynote fees and going and doing speaking and education to younger and underprivileged entrepreneurs would definitely be something. Uh, even just getting access to information for some people. I mean, if I help people in the really developing world, they may not have internet connection or get, get, be able to get online to get the education. Sponsorships and scholarships to getting various resources that would otherwise be paid. So they're going to be the four or five main areas that the foundation is going to focus on. So, sounds like a, a great one. So the, the light pitch for you to consider is we had this one of the options, sponsor an entrepreneur. Uh, so that's basically people in need of the knowledge, but they don't have it. Uh, so yeah. the, the, the book is not just a book, it's like a whole educational program, really, that we are doing together. So if that's of interest, Ooh. we can help you to get that across to people in your community or okay. other parts of the world as you wish. So yes, let us know. Thank you. Cool, Charlie, over to you. Okay. So knowing what you know now, how would you restart if you lost everything? Okay, so I had a chance to start in business and entrepreneurship earlier than I did. Because, yeah, I did a few things when I was a kid and I stopped and started a few things. But really, I didn't get fully into it till I was sort of 26 years old. And so if I could go back, the, the one thing I would do differently is I would start earlier. I would start now. I would not, you know, kick the can down the road or I would not assume I can't do it or be worried about all the things that could go wrong. I'd just start. That would be one big thing. And the next thing is I would probably start doing similar things because they're what I know. So I love property and I know property. I'd probably set up a training and education business because it's low overhead, no stock. Um, you know, you don't need uh, premises because you can hire venues or hotel rooms or you can do them live on Zoom like we are. So I'd get into a um, low overhead, high margin business like the ones we did. Definitely would invest in property as much as I can. I'd find partners, people like Mark, Mark Homer, my business partner, um, so that we could leverage each other's experience. For me, it's not about the money. It's about what I've learned along the way. And I would probably look to leverage social media a lot more. So I definitely have a podcast. I definitely scale up my YouTube channel. I definitely put a lot of content out there and try and gain a good following. Because with a really good following, it doesn't really matter what your products and services. If they're following you for you and you offer products and services, they're likely to buy them. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great blueprint that I think pretty much everyone can replicate and, and learn from. That's, that's great, share. Thank you, Rob. Awesome. So the great thing is that you haven't lost everything. <laughs> so if we set up a scenario where Bobby would like to uh, play golf in Florida or something and you have to move to Florida, how would you reinvent or expand what you do if you lived that? Okay, well, we're, we're already going global and probably going to do five or six new countries next year for um, our training businesses. The good thing about America is it's English speaking, similar culture. You know, if you sent me to a non-English speaking country like um, Iceland or somewhere like that, uh, that would be harder for me. So I've got that 
behind me. That being said, I'm not arrogant enough to think I know the American market. Plenty of English companies have gone to America and dramatically failed um, because of some slight but big cultural differences. So if I went to America, I would probably try and carry on doing what I'm doing there, running training businesses, what's in demand, like podcasting and social media and you know, being an entrepreneur, I'd try and learn the culture really quickly. I'd probably try and partner with some locals who'd got a good business in America, maybe find some speakers and trainers there, because even though it is an English speaking country, you can't take anything for granted. But I'm in a fortunate position where I've probably got, well, I have definitely got a business model that works in that country and is pretty scalable. And I'd also be bought my son's golf manager and take 20% of all of his winnings. And all of his sponsorship deals. And I'd do his sponsorship and I'd become his agent. I'd get all of his brand endorsements. I'd be his manager. Do the lot. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So your podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Who would your uh, dream guest be and why? Oh, I've got a few. So I'd love Arnold Schwarzenegger because I just think he's amazing. I think Dwayne Johnson. Both of those because they're really big. They're really successful for a very long time. And in different industries and niches, which I really admire. Uh, personal favourites of mine, sort of maybe more left field guests than those two who, you know, would be big go to people might be. I love Damien Hurst, the artist. I love Ronnie O'Sullivan, the snooker player. Um, I love Vivian Westwood, the, the fashion designer. I love Russell Brand, the comedian and social commentator. But they're personal favourites. And, and I like to hold some good hope that I'll get them in time. So, yeah, there's six to go for. If you're listening, guys, come on my podcast, please. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, the great thing is, is to, like you did now, manifest it, be open about it, and, and things does come to you. Yeah. Uh, so people do connect and help, and, and that, that's a great way. So one of your guests recently uh, on your podcast, I thought he was just a great guy, so I had to reach out to him, him as well. And yeah, he said yes. So yeah. Perfect. That's, yeah. That's, if you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. That's something I try to get across, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the time uh, have you got something to share with our audience which is uh, more our age uh, Rob uh, than, than Charlie's so it can be really to, to anything to anyone okay I think of any age developing a personal brand uh, is right. it's really big thing at the moment it's been a big thing for a while but I think if you develop a personal brand you get known for something that you're good at you put good value about that out to the world and you leverage all the low cost and free social media platforms and you build a good loyal following. It doesn't always have to be massive. A thousand loyal followers is probably as good as a million non-loyal followers. Then wherever you pivot, whatever business model you go into or you create, you're likely to have buyers who follow you. You create a good um, customer relationship. So I certainly think that that's a big thing. Hey, look, generally, if you're educating people and you're adding value to the world and you're charging fairly for it there's really no limit to what you can do as a business person i also think there are huge entrepreneurial opportunities right now with climate change and the humanitarian aspect so if you think about all the plastics which is a massive problem if you think about in a lot of countries clean water is a massive problem so these are all entrepreneurial opportunities if you can create very quickly biodegradable plastics or if you can get rid of some of these major environmental issues uh, you're going to become very rich very quickly and doing good so i think that sustainable business is definitely a big thing yeah and also i think the whole uh generation z or z 
they bring lots of new things to to the market that are interesting. Everything from how they eat to whatever. Uh, there are lots of fads that very soon will become very much a market opportunity. So yeah, lots of stuff happening. Yeah, good stuff. Right. So thank you for for paying uh, us a, a nice uh, wealth of uh, things. So uh, pay forward. We like that a lot. So the, what's the best place to, to follow your work uh, for people who have not com- come across you yet? Because we've got a quite international audience. Okay, so my podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. That's probably a good place to start. If you search me on Amazon or Audible, you'll find my books and audiobooks. And if you just search my name, Rob Moore, or Rob Moore Progressive, you'll find me on all the social channels. I can vouch for that. <laughs> it's, it's great to own your own keywords. So yeah, that's great. Uh, so it has been a pleasure. Uh, so we have had Rob Moore from Peterborough with us today. And uh, we uh, would like to ask you, well, how do you say to your audience, if you like them to either subscribe, rate or review? What do you usually say when you do it? It's not so often. And uh, now I often don't ask people to uh, share, review, rate, etc. I probably should do that more. What I would probably do is create a piece of content that I thought was share worthy or review worthy. And hopefully people think this is review worthy. So they should review yep. your podcast based on this being one of the better episodes. But yeah, I, I might ask maybe every 50 episodes if I really feel like, do you know what, that content can really help people. So, for example, if I did a, a podcast on mental health, which I've done a few times for me, I think the world should know that. And so I'm, I'm prepared to be a little bit more shameless in asking people to share and maybe review. But hey, look, there's no harm in asking people to review, to share, because I think a lot of people would, but they often don't think about it. And so you asking them just gives them a little bit of a nudge. Awesome. So this has been episode 77 of Invest in You. It's been awesome to have you here, Rob. And uh, you are welcome back soon for more inspiration and ideas. That was for the viewers. <laughs> and listeners. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys, and goodbye for this time. Yeah, goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Cheers.